Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. know this, but probably the worst thing that's going to happen will not be the, the worldwide deaths. It will not be from the corona disease. It will be from starvation. In nations like South Africa right now, there's revolt going all over the world. And people, um, uh, I saw a couple images, but they take them down real quick. So people are dying by the thousands. In countries like South Africa and other countries where there's a revolt, where they've been locked down and people are literally starving to death. And so for, to fight for their life, they're having, to, they're having to fight, you know, their own government to do this. And we don't know much about that because we're just sitting, you know, I can't find any Lysol. So we're, we're, we're pretty well immune to what's going on in the world because we have a freedom. But we, we might think that we have a freedom and we've enjoyed a freedom, but that freedom came at a price. And if you just want to go back, sometimes we... We didn't understand what we didn't understand in history, so today will be a little bit of history. And uh, I was looking at a picture uh, this weekend of people that believed a lie in Hitler's time that got on trains and believed they were going to a safe place. But they weren't going into a safe place. They ended up in concentration camps, then they ended up in gas chambers. And all it showed, it didn't show the bodies, it showed the pictures of thousands and thousands of shoes of adults and children that will pile on top of each other. And these are all the people who, who died, was told by Hitler they were going to a safe place. Using uh, passages like Romans 13 out of context. You notice he said, render to Caesar, Caesar. Uh, that was in Italy. This is kind of a, and this is part of on the video. So uh, this is Rodney Howard Brown. Y'all remember we watched him a couple weeks ago when there was a storm and we were out here in the middle of a storm. Yeah, and uh, having church. Rodney Howard Brown came from South Africa as a missionary over 20 years ago, and he has a church, for those of you who don't know, in the Tampa area, so it's a mega church. He's one of two pastors who was arrested by the local sheriff, and uh, all that's being taken care of now, and the sheriff came to meet him at his home, and they're going to reopen, but they've had so many death threats from uninformed people and even Christians that you, you, know, you don't show love by coming together, and they're still... You know, he's had 80,000 threats against the church, and he said people drive by his church and shoot at the church and sign. So he's going to open it up with the protection of the same sheriff who arrested him pretty soon. So, um, and this is just preface, and I'm going to show you a, a part of a video, and that will be our service, because it really goes with our end times. And we're teaching on the end times right now, and we'll get into the parts, uh, you know, like the tribulation and, the Ar- and Armageddon, for which, you know, we won't be here for the tribulation and other parts, but part of what we're teaching is is if when you read the passages that tells us the signs of the second coming, not not him coming and the rapture. We know that we're we're the pre trip folks, right? We we live bef- we are leaving before that. But if you can see the signs now for the second coming for when he's gonna come back, once again pre tribulation is we go to meet him in the air. Second coming is when we come back with him. Pre-tribulation, you could say it this way, he comes for us. Second coming is he comes back with us. 
and we come back on a beautiful white horse and and we finish up the battle of armageddon so a lot of times these the signs are misinterpreted so the the next sign that has to take place for the rapture is come that's all so if you can see so the signs that a lot of times people point to is not his coming it's his second coming so we know that there is a one world order that will take place uh, according to the scripture that won't happen while we're here but it will happen but you can see the spirit of antichrist who's trying to set it up right now set it up right now uh, and so there's already studies and people are doing things uh, where you'll put a chip in your hand and you'll have one in your forehead that's what happened during the second year uh, the tribulation will be two, three and a half year segments. It'll be 42 months, 42 months. And the Antichrist will be on the earth, but he won't show up as the Antichrist. He won't be revealed as the Antichrist until the second part of the tribulation where he'll come and he'll have all the answers, so to speak, and he'll be a person of peace, but he won't be peace at all. And Israel will say, certainly this is our Messiah because he's come and bringing peace. And he does miracle signs and wonders, and he'll be greatly deceived, and he'll sign a peace treaty. And then right after he signs the peace treaty, he will declare that I am God, and he'll demand that you worship him. And, and people will either take the mark, or they'll, they'll, they'll die or be beheaded and such as that. So it'll be a horrific time to be on the earth. The reason I would show this this morning is because I want you to understand, just because you're born in America... <clears throat> And it's, we call it a free nation. It was only free because someone made a decision to make it, make it free. It's cost our nation millions of lives in wars, not rumors of wars, but wars for this nation to be free. So we, um, if we can wake up, we believe there's going to be a third great awakening. Uh, and, and the only thing God's waiting on for the rapture to take place is I believe he's given us a small sliver of time to bring in the harvest. So the spirit of Antichrist is working what you might call way overtime to make sure uh, that uh, that doesn't happen or it gets pushed back. So uh, Rodney Howard Brown uh, was doing a 300 city tour this year is what he was instructed to do. And because of this uh, Corona thing, he got stopped on, I think, city 175. So he was somewhere every night. So all he's doing and his church will be open, I think, in a few weeks with the sheriff who arrested him there with protection uh, from nut jobs, he calls them. But anyway, he'll, be, he'll reopen. So he says, since I'm not on a city tour, I can't go. He does a three-hour show Monday through Friday. Have any of y'all seen any of the broadcast? Uh, if you saw this, I hope you didn't see Friday because Friday was really good. And so um, he, he's uh, the first few minutes he does it on Facebook and YouTube and other platforms. Uh, but then uh, for an hour, he's on the Christian television network, which has Monday through Friday, you can watch. You could have saw this segment Friday. So what I'm saying is he, he goes 30 minutes, like on Facebook, YouTube. He breaks and goes on TV for an hour. That's over. Then he goes right back to the, his broadcast on, on Facebook. And so it's a three-hour show Monday through Friday, if you ever want to watch it. This was, I want to show you his Friday guest. So I'm going to break in. We just, we're going to cut it off so because we, we know we need to get out of here, Dave, to let you do what you need to do. So he had a, um, a highly educated um, African-American pastor in Connecticut who he just found out did not close his church, who um, I think the year before had ran for mayor. He didn't win, but he, he ran for the mayor. This guy's very intelligent, holds many PhDs. And uh, it gives us a little bit of a history lesson. 
And I think it's important that we understand because I want to tell you, this won't be successful. Although we haven't seen the end of this thing, this won't be successful. But I promise you, before we leave the earth, this or worse will happen. So if a church doesn't stand up, and if we as Americans do not stand up, we could, very, we could lose the freedom and liberties that we've enjoyed all of our life while they're taking us away, while we think we're just doing the right thing. Now, you're here, so you say, why would you show it to us? Well, because I'm trying to get it to other people and reinforce what we're supposed to already know. Is that okay with that we do that? So this is Rodney Howard Brown, and he's interviewing and, um, this, this pastor, and then uh, it'll just right in our timeline. So happy Mother's Day. And to everyone there, happy Mother's Day. God bless you. We're, we love and appreciate you. And um, don't cook for anybody today. You just take care of yourself. Amen. Y'all take care of her. Here we go. Told them to do. And people are waking up to the fact that this is an attack on the church. And here's the problem. Whatever's done in the first world, you cannot imagine the ramifications into the third world. The third world is total devastation and death. I have film footage that I cannot even show you right now. How they're murdering people and killing them. And people are starving to death in the foreign fields. All because everybody wants to protect somebody from this mystery virus that nobody can see. The hospitals are empty. And we've got a death of 280,000 people worldwide out of 7.7 .7 billion people. Seriously? Really? Really? I'm beyond speechless. And then everybody that buys into this narrative are the pastors that are shutting down their churches because we don't want to kill the people. But the supermarkets are open and all the other places people are going. I mean, from abortion clinics and, and the rest goes on and on. They're only in church a half a day a week. But where are they six and a half days a week? And did you blame the church and pastors? No, they're not going to die in church. They're going to get healed. We lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. We have not... No one in our church has died. Everybody's doing fine because we believe in miracles. Now, today I was so blessed to connect with this pastor, Dr. Aaron Lewis, who pastors right in Hartford, Connecticut, and with his wife uh, and family. I mean, just amazing man of God. He's the author of 160 books and sold in 20 languages, over 33 million copies. And he has so many degrees, traveled all across Africa, around the world. And, of course, we connected today. I just think he's a, a brother from another mother. I, and he's, he received it as an inaugural 100 Men of Color Award. I mean, he knows everybody. I mean, and I, I would spend the whole hour just going through all of his accomplishments. But can you bring him on right now, all the way from Hartford, Connecticut? And he has not shut, he not, he didn't shut his church down. He's still preaching. So, and, um, Doc, so glad to have you on with us. And when I found you and I heard what you're doing, I said, I have to have him on the program. So tell us all about it. I'm going to let you go. Just tell us what's happening. Tell us your assessment of this. You you didn't shut your church down. You've been preaching. You've been preaching in New York City. You you preaching this Sunday. And I'm also want people that can be able to get a hold of you because we need to wake and up. We have to wake Connecticut up. So the floor is yours. Tell us. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me on your broadcast. And um, even more so, thank you for being real i mean that that means everything to me that you are real uh, uh you know 
it's it's a bittersweet, Doctor Howard Brown, because when when I when I think about you and the stand that you took, it's commendable. God is smiling. Um, you know, the host of angels are smiling because you you're standing up for righteousness, standing up for Jesus. On the flip side, <laughs> I, I'm completely troubled that you're the only one or one of the very few ones that were willing to put yourself um, in the spotlight to identify with Jesus Christ. You know, this is a time where people who identify with Jesus Christ um, will be blessed for doing so. Um, but at the same time, the the literally the millions of pastors and ministers and evangelists and those who call themselves prophets and apostles uh, decided to co-sign with the federal government to shut down their churches. Now, understand this. I'm, 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 I'm a, I've read probably 10,000 books at least, at least, and I'm a, a, a major um, history buff. During World War One. During World War II, during the Vietnam War, um, during the Civil War, churches were not shut down. I, I just want to put that out there. The church was not shut down. The church was open every Sunday with um, airplanes flying over the churches, bombs being dropped, and the church was open. And they saw it as an essential service during wartime. The reason why is because they felt that if there was any place that was a refuge, during the time of war was the house of God. But today we have become so weakened as a church universally that the government knew that they could use this entire um, ordeal as a litmus test. And I, I, that's exactly what I call it. It was a litmus test to see if the church would acquiesce to their um, beckonings and if they would bow down to what they were asking. And guess what? The church did. The church said, sure. And th the interesting thing is that they didn't even have to produce any compelling evidence. Now, let's let's face it. If you or I, you know, I mean, and I'm just giving a hypothetical situation. If you or I, um, you know, walk down the street and we just saw people dying dropping on the ground by the tens, by the hundreds, you know, we may decide to close our church and then bring that church to the streets so that people wouldn't die on the streets. We haven't seen anything of that, of that magnitude whatsoever. My office, my, my actual executive offices is directly across the street from Harvard Hospital, which is the main ho hospital in the entire city. And um, Harvard Hospital is pretty much empty right now. There's nobody coming to the hospital. Everybody's scared to go to the hospital. Nurses have been laid off. And pretty much, you know, you can throw a football in the parking lot and it wouldn't hit anybody. There's nobody at the hospital. But yet this has been staged as a pandemic. If it was a pandemic, people would be in the hospitals by the droves. I'm talking about by the thousands. They wouldn't have beds in the hospitals. The morgues would be overwhelmed. But instead, what's happening is we've seen the media lying, just complete, total lies. I, I get very distressed when people, uh, particularly uh, men and women of God, 
are afraid to just tell the truth. And then when you tell the truth or if, if I tell the truth, we're looked at with, you know, like uh, uh, four eyes <laughs> as if something strange about that for simply telling the truth. At this particular moment, I'm not denying that there's sickness in the land. There's always been sickness in the land. I'm not even denying that there is a COVID disease. There's been a COVID disease since the 80s. And this that's why it's called COVID-19, because it was a COVID-18, a COVID-17, a COVID-16. And so they continued to reintroduce this disease um, to see which one would take. And so this one took. Why? Because they had the media and they had the paparazzi behind them to uh, polarize this 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 outbreak so that the entire world would be in something that we told people for all of our ministry not to be in. It's called the spirit of fear. And so now all of those who are not in the spirit of fear are looked at crazy. And those who are in the spirit of fear are actually normalized. So something is dreadfully wrong, not with the world, because I don't judge the world for doing what the world does, right? The world does what they do. It's fine with me. They're doing their job. What really irritates me is when the church does not live up to what we say. We sing gospel songs about miracles. We sing gospel songs about healing. We sing gospel songs about the supernatural. But then the first time in many years and decades that we're presented with an opportunity to actually show forth what we believe. And what do we do? We shut our churches down. Why? Not because the government produced one shred of evidence, but because they said shut them down. This was the grand litmus test to see whether we would shut our churches down just because they said so or whether or not we would listen to God. And sadly, God right now is weeping like like the weeping prophet, um, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He's, he's lamenting over the ignorance of people that he's called by his name to actually trade with government over. Some, I mean, this is ridiculous. I've not seen one person die in Walmart and Target and Costco and Sam's Club and BJ's. And I have a, a membership at BJ's and Costco. And if they hear me tonight, they might suspend my membership. But the point that I'm making is that I've not seen one person die. I have not seen one person fall out. Why? Because right now it's not it's not uh, an issue of people dying. It's an issue of how many people can we get to believe this story? And there's a prop I, there. There again, I, I'm telling you, Dr. Brown, it doesn't bother me when the world believes it. It really doesn't. Because you know why? Because that's that's who we're supposed to go and reach. It bothers me tremendously when people like you and me buy into the nonsense. Now, you didn't shut your church. Talk to us about Connecticut. Talk about what's happening in Connecticut and how you've kept your church open and how you've had meetings in New York. Talk, let, let, just give us a little feel of what's happening on the ground because your, your governor's got everything locked down there. Well, from day one, you know, first of all, I, I had the fortune of this past um, election running for mayor for the city of Hartford. So um, I don't know 
whether they wanted to come at me or not, but they, they know who I am and they know what I stand for. And, and, and maybe they just wanted to leave me alone because they didn't want the negative publicity or they didn't want me praying against their wicked agenda, but they have not bothered me. I ran for the mayor of the city of Hartford and I lost to the incumbent um, and, 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 and the city is suffering as a result of it. But um, from day one, uh, when all of the because our church is in a leased facility um, and <laughs> and so the leased facility acquiesced with the governor, shut the facility down and we moved to a, another location. We moved to another location and then we went public in Barnard Park, um, which is a park right in um, the heart of the city of Hartford, right on the cusp of downtown Hartford, where you get everyone from. You know, drug addicts, some people call it the drug park. You get drug addicts, you get um, um, the homeless people, and we and the homeless shelter is literally right across the street. So we brought our services there, and the first Sunday, it was tremendous. We had people from all over Connecticut, people from New Jersey, people from um, 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 New York that drove up to be a part of the service. Most of the people were saying, um, we wanted to go to service at our own churches, but our pastors were were afraid to open up. We haven't we haven't shut down service one Sunday, not one Sunday since we um, um, started, and we're not going to um, either. And 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 so what what Saturday? What, what, and then we had Good Friday service in Central Park um, in New York City, which was a tremendous success as well. And so what's so sad is that I really believed that I was going to have the support of several of several pastors. I thought I thought half the pastors at least in Connecticut would be on board with them um, standing up um for for the rights that we are afforded under the US Constitution um and even more so the rights that the scripture affords to us. But I don't know any of them that um had service or that I, most of them were glad to get the the vacation time. They were they they were glad to get time off and 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 relax and have not have to go to church at all and it and it boggled me because right now is the time where people want to know if Jesus Christ if Jesus Christ is really healer to the glory of God or is this all a hoax they want to know if he's really a savior they want to know if he's really a deliverer and so right now so many people who claim to be men and women of faith have abrogated their responsibility for us to show ourselves as representatives of Jesus Christ, because instead they've co-signed the agenda of, of a world government that I, I, I'll die before I allow to infiltrate my mind. So um, how many passes are still remaining open in Connecticut, or are you the only one? None. So, okay, no, how, just how do pastors get a hold of you? I'm sure there's people watching in Connecticut. How do they contact you? What, what's the Listen, best way? They could, they could email me at Dr. Aaron Lewis, Ph.D., D-R-A-A-R-O-N-L-E-W-I-S-P-H-D at gmail.com. Send me, send me an email and I'm going to get right back in touch with you because, like I said, man, this this is really serious. You know, one of the things, you know, you know, the Bible said that the harvest is right, uh, uh, the harvest is, is is right, but the laborers are few. 
It's nothing wrong with the harvest. The harvest has always been ready. The problem is getting people that are really dedicated to the cause that don't mind putting themselves out. And, you know, for, for, for lack of a better way of, of understanding this, we've had a break for a real long time. This is really the first time that a major pandemic has attacked us all at once, simultaneously all over the world. And sadly enough, most pastors have failed. Now, usually when you fail, right? You remember when you were in school back in South Africa, right? Yeah. I grew up in, in, in the city of Hartford. When I failed a test, you know what I had to do? I had to take it again. Correct. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and hopefully the teacher would allow me to take it again. Most pastors failed this test. Now, here's the issue. Most pastors will, will, will live in arrogance and pride and try to justify why we closed our doors. Man, I've heard, I've heard pastors say crazy stuff like, well, the Bible says to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And according to the book of Romans, we're supposed to obey the governing authorities. And the first thing that I say to them, I say, well, let's think about context. We are no longer under Roman rule. And, and right now, you know, Connecticut is a long way from Italy. And so that, that has nothing to do with today whatsoever. We're not under Roman rule, so we're not rendering under Caesar. Our, we don't, first of all, we don't have a government where we have a king. The president of the United States is not our king. Obama wasn't our king. Bush wasn't our king. Uh, Donald Trump is not our king. He's a president. In our democratic republic society, if we understood it properly, um, understanding what an actual constitution is, if there's anyone that's the kings and queens, it's you and me. We're the people. It's called we the people. We are the kings. We are the queens. And we set forth policy. And the policy then is administrated through what is called the Congress, who's not listening to us right now. And then the Congress then gives that to the president who, um, it, who enacts what we ask them to do. And it's not the other way around. So in a kingdom, of course, the king rules. We belong to a kingdom. It's called the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand? And so what he says goes in our lives and in our reality. But in this country, we are the ones that are the kings and the queens that dictate how we want to be governed. Now, and so, when, when, you know what I'm saying? So, so we've got it twisted. Yeah, you know, what, what, you're like an anomaly that here you are, African-American, Hartford, Connecticut, and you didn't buy into all the narrative of that you should just be a slave on the plantation and you, you're just not accepting all of that. I mean, can you explain that? Because a lot of people probably watching, I know you probably get persecuted. I can't believe that you're saying this, but obviously because you, you're a student, you, you've several PhDs. I mean, you've educated, you've got a huge library, authored over a hundred books. I mean, so you've, you, when, when a lot of people don't understand history and they don't understand what, uh, has gone on before, they just buy the lie of each politician that comes along and they buy the lie of the media. Explain that because I really want to help pastors tonight that are watching across America and that are pastoring in the inner cities as well. How can you be free in the middle of total communism? Well, well, here's the deal, right? So understand this, right? When when you want, so in the story of the the Tower of of, of Babel, 
the, the way that the people were um, segregated or even interrupted was through language. So, and God understood that if I could confound or confuse their language, then they will not be able to build this tower that will reach beyond the heavens. God understood that principle. We don't. Language is important. So I've asked people a million times over. I said, I, I'll ask black folks, I'll ask white folks, and, 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 and I'll say, why is it that in this country, um, American slavery, African-American slavery um, lasted for nearly 400 years? And so some people will say, well, because white folks wanted to make sure that they had um, free um, um, labor. Now, that's a byproduct. That's not why it lasted. That's a byproduct of slavery is free free labor, the, the economic arm of free labor. Why it lasted is because the people, the people, my people were ignorant. And what I mean by that, they did not keep their language. Their language was the key to their empowerment. But of course, the colonizers at the time says, no, you cannot keep your language. You have to learn our language. And if we hear you speaking your language, we are going to kill you. So out of fear, they did not pass the language down to the next generation. I see the same thing happening with people from Latin countries, people from Peru. I have a my first degree. I have seven earned degrees. My first degree is in Spanish, Espanol. So I bless Espanol. So anyway, people from Peru, from Ecuador, from Venezuela, from um, Argentina. I've been to Argentina, right? I love Argentina. I love the steaks in Argentina, even, even though I'm trying to not eat as much red meat. But but the people C in South America. Right? La Baca, the <laughs> right. big steakhouse in Buenos Aires. Right. It, 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 it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And, and I love it. And so that, that's when I, I, I break my uh, plant-based um, 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 diet. When I go to Argentina, you got to have the steaks down there. But, but the people, when they come to the United States, if you notice, Latin people, one of the first things that they do with their children and their grandchildren is that they no longer give their language to the next generation. That's the most dangerous thing in the world to do. It's it's all right to adopt the, the language of wherever you are. It's wonderful to do that. It's wonderful to speak English in America because it's how you're going to be able to prosper and get around and do what you need to do. But you never lose your language. One thing that, that the Jewish people do not do, they don't lose their language. Before a child is bar mitzvahed, that child has to read uh, the Pentateuch in Hebrew, not not in English, not in Spanish, not in Kosa, right? But in Hebrew. Why? Because they understand that their language is the power to their existence. Those people that believe in glossolalia, right? And I can take it a little deeper now, right? People that are spirit filled, right? The language of speaking in tongues is the key to our existence. If we lose that language to try to be like everybody else, then guess what? We no longer have any power. Language is power. So the reason why the slaves were enslaved for 400 years, because they lost their language. They lost their ability to communicate to one another in a way that 
the oppressor could not understand. So when people speak in tongues, you, you understand the oppressor, the enemy cannot understand it. So it, it is a secret weapon. The same thing with, with the, the Crusades. If you think about the Crusades, um, um, what happened? And, and, and that was such a, a very strange era where Christians were forcing Muslims to become Christianized. But how were they able to do it? Because they they stripped them of their culture and their language. So not all culture is bad and certainly not all language is bad. And so what has to happen is that we have to understand language. One of the I've, I've written actually since um, 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 the, the time of the re your reading, I've written 221 books. And so words are amazing to me. My one of my favorite scriptures, if not my favorite scripture in the entire Bible, is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But check this out. And the word was God. The word was God. And 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 and, and I take that. So that I take very literally because the word being God literally means that when you understand how to use words, it becomes godlike. Godlike. Everybody realizes this, Dr. Brown, except the church. The secular world understands it. That's why they say, stay safe, stay at home. Stay safe, stay. Those are not stay safe, stay at home. Five words. And you got the entire United States doing it. You have the entire world doing it. I've got family in Jamaica. Love them dearly. Right. But they're telling me, stay safe, stay at home, stay safe, stay at home. Why? Because words, words always produce effects. And so they understand that the media and I'm so glad that you called the media out. I'm, it, 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 it makes my heart joyful <laughs> that a man of God will just be honest. It's just the media, are, they're liars. They, they've they've told lies. They continue to tell lies. And then they try to act like something's wrong with us. So in terms of the slavery of people of color, we have to understand when the joy ride is over. Well, I mean, I, what, and, what and they basically did was they came and put everybody when when, you know, slaves were let go. Then they built this new slave plantation in the inner cities and then put everybody on government welfare. And then basically... I mean, you know how the breakdown of the family when uh, they, they actually 100%. told the people you could get more um, uh, from the government if you're a single mom. So then it was better not to be married. So they break the family down. Then the drug culture comes. We got all our people in prison, all African-American in prison. The rest are sent to battlefield and the kids are grown up without a father. So now you've got all these slave plantations, basically the modern inner cities. And it's almost like they kept that way. Because I, mean, I remember preaching in Cherry Hill in uh, Baltimore, and I said to the bishop, why don't we buy up all these, uh, you know, project homes, and we'll fix them all up and lift the standard of people. And he looked at me. He said, they won't let you do that. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to have to build another whole set of low-income homes on this side. So I said, oh, bishop, that's, now you're telling me they just want to keep the plantation going. So we have targeted the inner city for, for you know, I mean, our church has been going since 96 and of course, as a pastor, 
we, you know, when I traveled around as evangelist, you know, you see different things. But when we started pastoring, then I realized targeting the city, looking at different areas, different segments of the population, and then begin to find out that people were actually kept in slavery. So we've had to get into the inner city and basically, obviously, get the gospel to them, turn the heart around, tell them you don't have to be a slave to the system. You can come off of, um, uh, you know, government aid, government support, um, your 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 food money and all this kind of stuff, food stamps and everything, and that God has a destiny for you. And so we've seen people break free of that, come out of it, saying, "I don't need this anymore." We've got one little lady that was, that was she was on food stamps, and the first year we taught her, she she I believe she made like thirty eight thousand dollars that year. The next year she did nearly three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> She's like, wow. and she was she started selling on eBay and many different things. And we've got many people that are broken free. And we just told them, you don't have to speak the language of the slave masters that have put you on the inside here. So I agree hundred percent with you. We gotta we gotta change the language of the people. But again I'll get back to you. You broke the mold. Here you are and you're actually running as a libertarian in, in a totally different that, that 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 was a that was that took that took a lot of um, um not just courage but I took a lot of criticism for it because most people of color stay loyal to the Democratic Party simply because historically, with all due respect to the party, historically, it was the party after um, JFK was killed that, you know, Lyndon Baines Johnson, you know, signing of the Civil Rights Bill 50 years ago. I get it. I don't I'm, I'm fine with it. It was the most logical choice for black people then. Because it was that then does not mean that it has to be that now. It's 50, 60 years later, and right now it does not serve the interests of the people. Right now, I believe that the Democratic Party is completely dominated and ruled by white racist people who sit at the top and use black people as their pawns in their puppets. I completely believe that. You, you said Without it. Any you said it. Yeah, I didn't I say it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. And, <laughs> and, and see, the thing, the thing is, is that I don't, I don't care what people have to say, you know, well, because people always say, Dr. Lewis says anything that comes to his mind. Well, I think about it. I'm, I, I, you know, I love Socrates. I, I, I use the Socratic method. I think about it and then I say it and I say it based on evidence. Right. I be it, say it based on cited references. And so when I see, you know, think about it this way, all of the cities or the vast majority, let's say that instead of using a gross generalization, the vast majority of, of, of cities, cities now that are democratically led in the United States of America have the most poverty in America, have the most crime in the in America and the worst school systems in America, in the entire United States. And I don't want to start naming cities because then people will get extra mad at me, but I don't have to because you know because you live in that city. And so the issue is that the, 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 those cities are democratically led, but yet the people will not open up their eyes and say, this city has been democratically led for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, but yet we're still poor. 
Yet there's listen, I I let me tell you something. I believe in low income housing. Let me tell you who I believe in it for. I believe in it for the elderly. I do. I believe. I think I think according to the scripture, we ought to take care of our elderly. I think every church that has the budget need to put up a whole bunch of homes for the elderly and, and, and take care of our elderly until they go home to see Jesus. I don't believe in low income housing for everybody because and, and listen to what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that there are not um, um, conditions very rare conditions where people need that help. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about in mass. We don't need projects. We don't need tenements. And, and the reason why we don't, because it fosters the mentality that the government has to do something for us. Correct. And when we when we have that mentality, we can let me tell you something. I can say what I want to say about the government. There, some some people in government are probably looking for me or after me. I really don't care. You understand? And the reason why is because I don't need anything from them. Because if I did, then they can control me. Totally. Now, let me ask you a question. What made you question this whole virus narrative and you didn't buy into it and you didn't have the fear? Because just talk about that for a few minutes. We only have 22 minutes, and I want to pray with people before we go off there. But just say, what, what, and I'm, I'll have you back on in the next week or so. But, but just say, what, what made you question? Why did you question this whole virus narrative and everything? That book called the there, so there's a book called the dumbing down of um of our kids. Let me show you, and I'm going to show you a book that I have here. It's called. Let me see here. Uh, I'm going to show you in just a second. But anyway, it's called it's called the dumbing down of our kids, and 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 what it is, it's a book that talks about the the systematic approach over many years that America has um, um, proposed to make our kids dumber and dumber, but yet make them feel good about themselves. So they can't read, they can't write, they don't know math, but guess what? They got great positive self-esteem <laughs> and they're going nowhere. And so the, the, the problem with that is that I believe that in and of itself was a, a, an intention of certain sects of government to keep our children so educably um, starving that they would have a dependency on the government. And, 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 and so when I say that, what I mean to say is that when this whole thing came about, the first thing I did was just, I just, I sat down. I, first of all, I heard about this in January. I paid it not much mind. And um, this is, this is the book right here. If, if you can see it, it's called, um, Dumbing down our kids. Why American children feel good about themselves but can't read, write, or add by a guy named Charles Sykes. <laughs> and so, and you got to get this book. But when I when I saw it, the first thing that I thought to myself was, you know, does this make any sense that there's going to be um, this this great virus that's going to you know kill everybody on the planet? It didn't make sense to me. And not only that, I knew I knew immediately that it may have been a a ploy of, of the pharmaceutical industry, which, you know, of course, people don't like to talk about um, to come up with this wonder drug, this Jesus, the Messiah drug that was going to save everybody's sins and, 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 and wash all you know sickness and disease away. I that for many years I've been reading the fortune of being a ghostwriter is that I literally read everything. So I, I get 
the opportunity to balance all of what I'm thinking in, in, in a very, very healthy way. Because you're said, looking from every angle. Yeah. Every single angle. I, yeah. I read I read the opposition. I read the opposition. Totally. I, I, do, to. I do the exact same thing. I do the exact I, I read right. conflicting if, opinions. I search through everything to find the thread. And, and then with this thread, I was seeing some crazy things. And then when when I started to look at this guy uh, named Dr. Anthony Fauci, I said, this dude, I, I, I was publicly criticized for calling him the seed of Satan. They had some soft guys. Some soft guys were criticizing me and saying I shouldn't have called him that. And I said, well, oh, well, you know, you, you're soft. <laughs> and so it did, I'm saying and people were saying, well, would Jesus call this man the seed of Satan? I said, obviously, you don't read the scripture. Jesus called people vipers. You brood of vipers. He beat people out of temples. He so did. they don't understand Jesus of scripture. I was I was actually going easy on them. <laughs> and so they they don't understand this guy has a diabolical plan to destroy many lives. Many lives have already been destroyed. Listen, if scientists, and I'm not against science, I have a daughter that's a medical doctor, right? I love her. She's awesome to me. She's everything to me. She's my, she's my, 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 my princess, right? And, and, and not only that, she studies epidemiology. So she's actually in the, the you know, <laughs> she's in, in the middle of all of this. So she knows what's going on. And she knows that her dad is also a man of God. So she, she's never going to get in my way. But she's not because she loves the Lord. Here, here's the deal. Um, this whole concept has been very, very suspicious because the people that they're pushing us to. I got uh, people from um, um, the New York Science Centers telling me that I need to preach science to the people at my church and not God. Right. I don't I don't mind talking about science because I believe that God is the orchestrator of all science. I believe that he invented science, that he fused science. But right now, you would you would have to be a complete, um, 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 you know, mentally unstable human being to think that science is working now. They have been so um, uh, unstable with their statements. Fauci said that we shouldn't wear masks. Now he says we should wear masks. Um, he, um, he said that this would last for a few months. Now he's saying that this could last, we could be in our homes up to a year to two years. Then he also said that when we come out, this is what he said, I'm quoting him now. You, you guys could do the research. When we come out of our house, houses, it's going to spike all over again. And now, we, we might never be able to shake hands again. We will never be able to yeah, shake hands. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Is this crazy or what? And then, and then, and then the people that are behind this, this whole movement of not socializing, not touching one another, not coming together are, are a bunch of, you know, computer minds that, that for lack of a better way of saying it, Saying it could never even get a girlfriend. No, so you're they right. They locked create... away. They sit behind the screen. <laughs> they interact with nobody. No, you're right. You know what I'm saying? And so these are the most unsociable people on the planet, and they're mad. They're angry right now. These are the people that weren't cool in high school, that, that didn't interact with other people in high school, and now they're mad at the world, and this is their opportunity to get back at the entire universe uh, by by stopping us from doing what is godly natural, connecting, touching, and agreeing, and laying hands on the sick, hugging, 
you know, um, um, and so that's something when I when I started to see that, I said, something's very weird about this. This doesn't make sense, because if think, think about this, Dr. Brown, there, there are close to 210 countries, 12 countries in the world. And, and, you know, upwards of 190 of them are part of the United Nations, give or take, you know, a few countries. All of those countries, every one of them have scientists that are chief scientists. Our country does, South Africa does, Jamaica does, every country in the world, right? All of the scientists in the world right now are purportedly working on a plan to rid themselves of COVID-19. All of the scientists in all of the countries of the world, and we haven't gotten any closer to a cure. Now, why would I then avow, you know, avow my life to science when it's not working. It's not working. So why should I sign up for this thing and not believe God? Our canon, our canon. The Talk canon about it. Talk about it. Of Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in divine healing. That's what we believe, right? People laugh at us. They make fun of us. They demean us. And it doesn't matter because we've seen it happen before and it will happen again. We believe that we can lay hands on the sick and the, and, and, and they will recover. We believe that you call on the elders of the church yeah. and they pray the prayer and that they are healed. The government has unleashed an initiative to make church goers not believe what we believe. And, and, and listen, I would rather die. I'd rather die in faith than avowing to a corrupt government that wants me to not believe so that they can have some type of monetary gain. It's not going to happen. Uh, I'm not that guy. Some people, some people are like that. I'm not that guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I've told my church a long time ago to be a cold day in hell with the devil singing Frosty the Snowman. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. You know? Yeah. It's not happening. And, and, and then what saddens me is, is the situation with most pastors and most parishioners. Man, right now is the time that every single pastor in America can, can be more popular than Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? God rest Michael Jackson's soul. <laughs> because the only thing people are looking for their pastors to do is to just walk by faith and not by sight. It's real simple. We're not complicating this issue. We're not making this the, Pythagor the Pythagorean theorem. We're not making this complicated. All we're doing is telling you, if you're a pastor, walk by faith and not by sight. And what? how, how does that play out? It means listen to God and not the government. Real simple. That is our canon. We have a canon. We are obligated by scripture to act out on our belief. And when we don't, we stand in violation of God's high court. I don't care about the court of the land. The court, listen, if I get arrested, if I go to court, I'm going to get off because I'm innocent. Why? Because Jesus set me free. I don't care about that. It doesn't bother me. I don't think about it. Not one minute of the day. It's not a big deal to me. It's an honor. It's a stripe. 
You understand? But I don't want to be held in contempt of God's high court that says, I literally said to Jesus Christ, you know what? Because the world is looking at me, I no longer believe all the things that I say inside the four walls of my church that I believe. I abandon all of it. Why? Because I don't want the mayor to think that I believe it. I don't want the governor to think I believe it. I want them to think I believe it. I'm going to cast the devil out of the mayor in the city of Harvard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't care. There's demons all in politics. There's a bunch of them I want to cast the devil out of so that the people will live and not die. But there's not enough people that have enough conviction to say that. Why? Because they want to be so status quo. I'm not that guy. I don't know how we've not connected. Like, I feel like I'm talking to my brother. I, I'm like, when I talked to you on the phone today, we couldn't stop talking. We must have spoke. <laughs> I mean, Lord have mercy. And so I can't wait to see you give you a big hug. I mean, Hartford, Connecticut, of all places, and here you are. And uh, so so what would you say? We're, I'm going to pray for people in about five minutes. But what would you say to everybody watching? What can every citizen do right now and every pastor do in their state, in their town, their village, wherever they are? What what would you tell them? First of all, I listen, you know, and, and, and I'm glad that you asked that question. Martin Luther King, when he was alive, who was a preacher, by the way, I want everybody to know that we always call him Dr. Martin Luther King, but he was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But of course, now, since we're in 2020, we want to take the reverend off. No, he was a reverend. He was a Baptist minister. So everybody get that in your head. He was a preacher. So at, at any rate, he was a pastor as well. So at any rate, while while he was doing what he was doing, um, the government called him a terrorist. And the reason why they called him a terrorist is because he did not fit the status Quo. So I'm asking pastors, this is what I'm asking pastors, to, to just let that go. Stop trying to fit in. Stop trying to be a part. Oh, you know, when the governor sees you, you know, he says, how you doing, Reverend? No, listen, if the governor sees me and says, screw you, Dr. Lewis, I'll be proud. You know why? Because I'm doing something that's effectuating change. And I'm not saying necessarily my governor, though I do have um, um, very many concerns about my governor, many concerns that I'll address him uh, face to face. They have to start looking at us as uh, as as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Most most governors, most mayors have no fear of preachers. Why? Because when you tell the preacher, shut down your church, guess what they say? Okay. Great. When do you want us to shut down? This, this Sunday? Okay. What time do you want us to shut down? At 10? Okay, fine. We won't be there, right? They they know that most pastors, because of their 501c3s, are so compliant that they can get them to do anything that they want to do. I'm looking for pastors to say, guess what? I don't need you all to give me permission to worship. We're going to worship, number one, and we're not breaking the law. We're obeying God. I'm going to say that again. We're not breaking the law. We're obeying God. Secondly, we need to do something that we're, we don't do as much as we need to because so many um, parishioners and pastors are just simply lazy. We need to bombard our state representative with letters. Write a letter. Every single person in Connecticut, get a pen and as as they would say back in Jamaica, and a tall piece of paper, right? And write a letter to your state representative, letting them know that what we are dealing with, we do not believe is constitutional and we believe our First Amendment is being violated. You have to understand, and I'm telling you this, having run um, for the, the mayor's seat, that until you use their language, I talked about language already, they're not going to understand it. 
Use language that binds them. The language that binds them is the state constitution and the United States Constitution. So if you call, if you write them or call them and say, well, listen, you know, um, um, I'm feeling like Jesus is telling me to, to tell you that you need to stop doing this. Guess what? They are not bound by, by that whatsoever. Nice language is wonderful church language. It's not going to do anything. You have to tell them that according to the, 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 the First Amendment to the Constitution, our federal rights are being violated because I want to peacefully assemble, but the governor of this state has prohibited me from peacefully assembling. Now you have what is called a precedent. You have a reason. You have a legal reason to sue the state that you're in and all lawsuits um, amount in damages. Well, pastors, you can literally say this is something that that uh, you know that I might get in a little bit of trouble for. You won't. But you can say the dam the damages are all of the tithe and offerings that I'm not receiving because I'm not opening. You understand? You you have to come at them and let them know. You have to tell your parishioners to do the same bombard them with letters stop sitting back and saying nothing we keep sitting back waiting for them to give us cues to give us orders we're acting like the democratic party stop it well it's stop not it right it's away. not only what people might lose it's 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 the reputation of mocking god and mocking the church and making that the church is non-essential that it's just something that doesn't need to exist excuse me Excuse me, the church is essential. And so why don't you take just two minutes and pray over everybody, and then I'll, I've got the prayer request, yeah, I'll pray over it, and then we'll close out the program. And will you come back on with me sometime next week or whatever you'll come back on? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to. It's, it's been a joy um, of being with you. Wasn't quite sure what he believes. <laughs> <clears throat> I hope that was okay to show you all. Mother's Day. <laughs> but is that what's happening? And by and large, America's asleep. Yeah. Is that what's happening in schools? Yeah. The dumbing down, little by little, the eroding, dumbing down, dumbing down, dumbing down. And all you need is something like this. You need something like this, and you need a, uh, a demonic media, you know, to uh, fertilize it, you might say, to scare people when the church is supposed to be the church, know who we are while our, while our rights are being taken, our constitutional and biblical rights are being taken away. So it is a litmus test. And after this is over, something will come just as bad or worse to take it over. So um, the reason I wanted to to show that and uh, you can watch him every night just like he's got a three-hour show uh, online and, and uh, has different guests but uh, we're talking about end times well part of that once again is the the one world government will come on the scene I believe we will not be here for that but if you can see the setup for it now then you know you know that we are in the very very last day. So that is time. Uh, that's good news for the church, but it's also needs to put us uh, on our assignment and know that we uh, are uh, 
We have a job to do. We have the gospel to be preached. It's the gospel that sets people free. So we need to be preaching the word. We don't have to be in fear uh, uh, of this or authorities such as we we're instructed to pray for our leaders and our authorities and we're doing that but we have a uh, responsibility to our government the kingdom of god who's jesus is king of kings and we're king of kings and lord of the lords so we're going to continue to to minister the gospel and preach it and proclaim it across the land and um, therefore we will uh, come through this and be able to help people, educate people, uh, see them uh, delivered. Jesus said in Luke 4, 19, he was anointed to preach the gospel and to set the captive free. Amen. Well, God bless you. We thank you for being a part of our service today. If you're watching by Facebook and uh, tune in, we'll be back on our end time series uh, next Sunday. God bless you.